Good morning, everyone. Coming to you live from the world headquarters of BNL Pipeco Services in Houston, Texas. It's Jesse Dickens, and I'm joined by Mr. J.P. Brown. Howdy. Good morning, J.P. Hi. How's it going? Good. Well, let's jump into this uh, latest and greatest market update. So, uh, price of crude hanging in at eighty-four dollars a barrel. Price of nat gas just over the three-dollar mark. What do you make of that? Yeah. I mean, I mean, so, you know, so oil has dropped in the last week or so. So, you know, it got nearly to nearly $90 a barrel and it's, it's been dropping. Um, it's been dropping mainly for three reasons. Um, so uh, the dollar reports came out this uh, the end of the month from the government that the dollar has been stronger. Uh, Israel has delayed its invasion of Gaza. So uh, when when the war first kicked off, uh, prices really shot up. But then uh, as it's kind of being delayed for the time being, at least. Um, prices have dropped a little bit. And then also uh, the EIA reported that inventories were increasing. Um, the U.S. oil inventories were increasing. So those three things caused oil to slip uh, in the last week. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really tough spot to be uh, that a war, unfortunately, would drive up the, the price of commodity. Uh, unfortunately, that's just a reality of, of the world we live in. And there's so many geopolitical uh, issues. You've got China that is showing that they could invade Taiwan. Uh, the Ukraine uh, still is in a war with Russia. And then, unfortunately, this, this deal with Israel. Uh, it, it, does the global currency, I mean, uh, as far as the markets go, do you, do you think that's going to have an impact on, on the price of crude and that gas moving into uh, the next quarter, the quarter, the next two uh, quarters? I certainly could. I mean, I mean, I just read an article about how the United States is the most in the most precarious position it's been in since World War II. Yeah, so like, just like you mentioned, the United States has threats on like, you know, five different points on the globe that are all hot points. And so if any of those goes haywire, which, you know, you pray they don't, but you know, if any of those uh, escalates, um, like you just mentioned the, the stuff in the South China Sea, I guess there was a, um, two vessels collided, a uh, Chinese vessel and I think a, a Philippine vessel um, collided, which caused tensions to skyrocket. But yeah, I mean, if, if any of those, uh, if Iran gets involved in the Israel-Hamas war, what does that do? Does that bring in, you know, how does Saudi Arabia react? I mean, there's some articles that saying oil would shoot up automatically to $150 a barrel plus if that was to happen. So yeah, I mean, all of this stuff is just you know, kind of on uh, pins and needles, just I think everyone's kind of holding their breath to see how the markets will react um, to any of these things. So, yeah, it's just a very precarious position we're in. It's amazing to me to watch over the, the course of really, what, 14 months of watching all the geopolitical stuff and how our, our industry, unfortunately, has been under attack by this administration. Uh, and now you have this geopolitical stuff that none of us control and it continues to, to build on and, and the, the market is very, very volatile. Do, do you think that the major announcements that we've had here uh, domestically, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Exxon uh, buying Pioneer, then this week, uh, Chevron buying Hess, do you think that has anything to do with the geopolitical or just the fact they're making a lot of money? I, it's, you know, I'm sure it's probably both. I mean, in the fact that you can see how they're investing in, you know, uh, they're, you know, they're reinvesting in American oil, you know, here. I mean, they, they see that it, I mean, it is a, it, I'm sure these decisions were being done months, you know, prior to any knowledge of, you know, this geopolitical stuff kicking off. But I do think that they see it as just a solid investment. I mean, oil's here to stay. I know the EIA, or not the EIA, but the the global, uh, uh, my mind's went completely blank, but, you know, the uh, they're, they're basically saying that, you know, we're at peak oil and oil's 
you know, going to be phased out and all these climate pledges by 2050 and, you know, beyond and all that. But uh, all these majors are really reinvesting in American oil right here. So, um, and I think, it, you know, uh, for, in, for uh, kind of a, a side benefit that it is here uh, being invested in locally is going to be, you know, it's better than going around the world and doing new uh, offshore stuff in uh, foreign waters. So I think so for sure. You know, you make a very good point. Uh, and anything in life, right? Follow the money. So in the last three weeks, we've seen what a hundred billion dollars in two companies yeah. investing in uh, U.S. oil production. Uh, where I'm sitting at, that's got to be a good thing, right? Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, so, um, so, and we'll see if what what more comes of it, right? So that that's what other articles are saying is, you know, is this going to be kind of the start of a new land grab? And it seems like we go through this every decade or so you, you, you basically have these uh, small little oil companies that build up and, and, and do things that the majors can't do and they build up and over a 10-year period they become very very large independents and then you know the majors buy them up and, and then they restart up somewhere else and you just have these these cycles of, uh, of these majors buying these you know these independents so uh, definitely seems like you know possible another new land grab is, is definitely happening. No, I, I agree with you. Uh, and the rig count, 771 as of last week, but we've had two weeks in a row of positive, be it plus two, plus three. Uh, the Canadian market, again, same kind of deal, uh, 203 roughly uh, as of a couple weeks ago. I mean, what, do you think this is going to be kind of the, the, the rig count number we see for the balance of this year heading into first quarter of uh, 2024? I personally think so. So, I mean, all estimates are basically showing that it's going to be relatively flat to, you know, slight increase, but I don't think it's going to be a major boom. I don't foresee like the rig count just skyrocketing. Um, so that, that is what the, it, it does kind of look like the rig count is, you know, be, you know, flat to slightly up. So I do think that is the case, but I do think it's going to be an increase. I do think that, um, uh, you know, if, if, if oil prices, you know, stay where they are and above, you know, in the, in the eighties to nineties, I think you'll see things basically stay stable. But of course we just, just talked about everything around the world is incredibly unstable right now. So it's kind of, you know, holding your breath to see where this goes. Uh, your statement's spot on, in my opinion. Uh, there, there are so many factors. It, it, this industry is, it's, it's always up and down. Uh, it doesn't matter how you've been in it. You, you see the good times and the bad, but I've, I've never seen it to where there's so much pressure domestically and externally uh, and a lot of different fronts. Yeah. Uh, so what, what other indicators are you looking at? Are you tracking uh, on the still making side? Yeah. Uh, how, how is that? Cause that HRC number, just went over uh, what 820 i believe yeah i mean futures are over eight like exactly right 825 in that range so um that's exactly it so um so new both new core and uh, cleveland cliffs announced an increase it was last week um, which pushed it up the reason for that was extended lead time so uh, the reports are saying that um the HR lead time was around uh seven weeks now it's up to eight weeks so due to the longer lead times um uh, the mills have a, there's a higher demand for steel. So um, the lead times made uh, uh, is, the, is due for why there are price increases. So uh, that is uh, one factor we're looking at. So and that's another thing we talked about in the past is the OCTG price has been going down month uh, over month for, for several months in a row now. Uh, but we do think that is going to basically hit bottom. I mean, so we're, we're close. Like I said, if we, if it, uh, I, I predicted last month that we, you know, by the end of the, 
by the end of the year, it's definitely going to, looks like it's going to flatten out. Uh, all indicators, especially over like this price increase, um, it, it does ind indicate that uh, we should be hitting bottom on that. So, I agree with you, JP. I think the, uh, on the ERW side, especially with HRC uh, bouncing up the way it has, mm -hmm. and, and this, this went up sharply. It's, it's not been a gradual uh, increase, really. I mean, $800 was kind of set as the new floor, and now we're, you're 825. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see, like, you know, definitely whenever you see Nucor and Cliffs come out with stuff, then usually all the other steel mills are soon to follow. So it'll be interesting to see what steel mills in the future come out with price increases. Um, so um, everything's just kind of going up. Another thing we're looking at is the, you know, the auto strike and how that's going to affect steel. And so what the news there is, is so it appears Ford. Um, so you had, you know, GM, Chrysler, uh, and well, which is Stellantis now, and Ford. Um, involved in this, and it looks like Ford has reached an agreement with their um, with the union, and the other two uh, still have not. So, um, so that looks like it's been going on for about six, seven weeks, and so it looks like you know hopefully that will be coming to an end as well. So, um, but that would if that would have kept going on, then that would also uh, affect the steel price as well. So, um, so that's another thing we're looking at, and then uh, another thing is the economy. So that's a that's a real head scratcher there because. Now, the economists were predicting that we had a 100% chance of recession in 2023. Well, now the year's almost over, and it looks like it's not. And it's a weird deal because uh, there's a lot of very positive factors. So like GDP, the, the report uh, for October just came out. Um, so the, the GDP is doing better than expected. Unemployment is still low. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of positive factors, but on the flip side, why they think there's going to be a recession is because there's so many, uh, other factors that are so negative. Like, uh, the biggest one is probably, um, credit spread. So basically people have a lot of money right now, but it's borrowed money. And so the, there's a lot of people that are defaulting on payments and, and obviously the student loan thing just came back this month. And so there's a lot of pressure on, uh, on consumers and, um, and all that. So it'll be interesting to see, like, you know, so if, you know, pe people are scratching their heads, you know, there, there was supposed to be a recession and somehow the economy keeps being resilient. So, uh, which is a good thing. So no one wants a recession. So, um, so that's been a big head scratcher too, is to see, you know, if that's ever going to happen. But, um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, it's, uh, um, it's just a very weird time right now. So it, it is. So one last question for you on, uh, on, on the money front. Interest rates continue to go up. Yeah. So that's got to have an adverse effect as we move into 2024 on drilling budgets, on really any budget. Uh, right. Anything you buy, literally anything you buy right now is more expensive than it was two years ago. Right. Exactly. So does that have an, does that have an impact on steelmaking? Does it have an impact on raw materials? It has to, an impact on everything. Yeah, you're exactly right. So that's, uh, and, and so in, uh, from home buying to, to everything, you're absolutely right. So, you know, uh, you know, you would you would hope and think that comes down. The estimates are that the interest rate the interest rates are supposed to drop in 2024. Is what all the economists are saying. So, um, uh, they've been saying that if you are going to invest in stuff, 2024 is the time to do it. So, um, so yeah, the, crossing my fingers, but yeah, that's what I hope as well. So, well, fantastic. Uh, one last question. We'll get out of here. So we've seen two major announcements in the last three weeks. A lot of rumors. ConocoPhillips is next. Uh, eyeing up, uh, I mean, it, you, name them, right? I yeah. mean, there's been four or five different companies. Do you think Conoco is in, in the growth mode as well? 
with two of their biggest rivals and, and Exxon and Chevron. That's what the reports are saying. I mean, the reports are saying that, you know, uh, with those two of, uh, you know, with Exxon doing it first, um, that it's putting a lot of pressure, you know, that you, you don't want to be the last man standing. So there's a lot of uh, pressure on the kind of the large, the large companies to, uh, to do so. So uh, that's what they're saying. They're saying that this could just be the start of it. So I do, I do think that is the case. All right. Well, I think we're in agreement that uh, we don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, this is probably the weirdest market report uh, that we've done because it's such, like I said, it is a, uh, um, you know, I have literally here on the table, I have stacks of paper of different reports and uh, articles and all that. And some of them say one thing and the other ones say the exact opposite thing. So it's yep. a real weird deal uh, right now. So, um, but we're just hanging in there and hoping for the best. Well, and JP, I agree with you. The, uh, the futures though, uh, the, the, to really go down to the uh, micro uh, level of this, you know, the futures of, of uh, HRC continue to go up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, natural gas at $3 and here we are end of October, typically is a good sign as we head into winter. Yeah. And price of crude, I agree with you. Unfortunately, the uh, the geopolitical front would probably be the biggest dictator of where we go. Mm -hmm. But $84 a barrel, uh, the cost the, the, the cost for pipe, for frac sand, for rig contracts, from what we've been told, everything's coming down, which would tell me the $84 a barrel is probably a pretty good return. Uh, so I, I, I do agree with you. I think the rig count at 771 I think we've probably hit bottom. Uh, I don't. I don't foresee it bouncing way up, but I, I do think we can see 800 in the first quarter of 2024. Exactly. Well, great. Well, JP, thank you for your time, and thank you all for joining us on another episode of What the Frack, coming to you from BNL Pipe Co. Thank you. Thank you.